0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. It's All Questionable, Tales from the Single Life. It's the title of the new book just released by Stephanie Caldwell, and I get to find out all about this. I got Stephanie here on the show with me right now. Stephanie, welcome. Thanks for joining me.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: I appreciate your time. Stephanie, what did you write about in It's All Questionable?
1: Well, it's pretty much a book about a lot of questionable decisions that I've made over the years. I started off by moving to Tennessee about 12 years ago, and the first day I got to Tennessee from Georgia, I started writing a blog trying to, you know, let everybody back home in Georgia know what, was, what I was doing on a day-to-day basis, seeing how my life was unfolding in the transition from the city to the country and again to the city. And so I wrote a blog for about three years, every single day. So I took all those stories and I put it into a little book. And a lot of it, the majority of it has to do with all the online dating I did. Mm. So it's a whole bunch of train wreck stories, the (laughs) comedy has a lot to do with that. And then all the ups and downs and went with starting my life over essentially Mm. when I moved to Tennessee.
0: What was the spark, Stephanie? What inspired you to write this and publish it, get it released to the world?
1: Well, I just know that I have a lot of regrets in my life of not following certain dreams. Like right out of college, I wanted to work in film. And I definitely could have, and I just didn't see it through. I've always wanted to work in radio and maybe have my own morning show. Never saw that through. But all my friends, you know, they said that I have a for writing. They say I'm funny. They really enjoyed the blog. I have a lot of people just saying, you need to write a book, Stephanie. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that because I can still do that while I have a full-time job. And I'm just going to go for it. And I just did it little by little. It took me a few years. But I just wanted to kind of at least follow through with something, make one of my dreams come true. And I did it. And it feels amazing. So I'm just really, really happy with myself that I was able to complete it.
0: Yeah, a lot of people say, hey, yeah, someday I'm going to write a book, but how many people actually do that, right? (laughs) And you actually did, so congratulations.
1: Well, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. Everybody's like, well, when is the next one coming out? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Hold your horses there. Let's just enjoy this moment. But yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I had a lot of encouraging people in my life that really, really wanted me to do it.
0: then that day comes, Stephanie, and you you get to hold your book for the first time. It comes in the mail, and there that thing is. Your name's on the cover. It must be quite something. What was that like for you?
1: Oh, man. Well, so I was at work, and my husband sent me a screenshot of a box that just arrived on the front porch, and I immediately knew what it was, so I jumped in the car, I (laughs) raced home, I opened the door, my husband filmed me opening the box with my kids next to me they're all rooting me on they book 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 and i open it up and it was wild i mean to see it in print to hold it to see it's like i wrote a whole book that's insane <laughs> like i don't write books <laughs> 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 it was amazing it was an amazing feeling i'll never forget i'm glad i have it on tape. and who knows maybe i'll do it again we'll see
0: while you're writing this stephanie what sort of a reading audience did you have in mind who do you think would be really into this book the most
1: Definitely middle-aged, single ladies who are out there in the grind. Dating is hard. I mean, it's really hard. And you have to go through a lot to find your guy. And that's what a lot of this book is about. I was online dating on like plenty of fish on match.com. And I just really put it out there what I went through. I mean, a lot of it is hilarious. Some of it is like baffling. Some of it is unheard of. (laughs) But I'm just so glad that I was able to document all those stories and put it out there. And I really think that it's relatable to those single ladies out there that have been through this or are going through this. I really think that they'll appreciate these stories because they probably have similar ones. And that's literally, I feel like that's my main demographic. It's a kind of a chick book and it's going straight in for those ladies that are out there just trying to make it happen.
0: Again, it's titled, It's All Questionable, Tales from the Single Life. It's written by Stephanie Caldwell and published by Newman Springs Publishing. So you can get it anywhere, go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick this one up. Stephanie, thanks again for joining me here. Tell me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you. Well, thank you
1: so much. I really enjoyed it.
0: There's a new audio Just Hit Stores, written by Jesse Fedor. It's titled Angels from Heaven. My Miraculous Cure from Epilepsy. Jesse is joining me right now, and I get to find out all about this book and all about the story that it tells. Jesse, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations for having this audiobook out. What an amazing story this tells, Jesse. Can you tell me about the book? Well, the book was inspired by myself,
2: I should say, after my 44 year journey through going through hell. Wow. <laughs> and With my recovery and cure, I should say, from epilepsy, I began a path when I was 10 years old. That's how I came down with epilepsy, by being hit in the head with a baseball. Mm. And, of course, that changed my life forever. And then what I decided to do, I decided to write a book to encourage other people about any kind of hardships in their life, that they should never really give up on anything, because anything is possible with God. Have you ever written or published before this, Jesse? No, this was my first book, mm. the only one I have ever published. But it took me over seven years to do it because I had to gather quite a bit of information and, in a sense, had to figure out the story. And I also needed verification and proof of everything
0: which I obtained over the years. What did you find the most challenging part of the writing process, the publishing process, the whole thing? What was the most challenging thing for you? Probably the most challenging
2: uh, item was to... Put together all of the, I guess, the facts that occurred over a long period of time. Mm. And then by putting it all together, adding in my emotions because I'm experiencing you know, what I went through over and over. And, and that was hard for me. That's why I, I get emotional mm. talking about it sometimes because it you know, comes back to what I had to go through. And when I converted and I turned my life over to God, everything, everything started changing. And the miracles that occurred are totally unbelievable, what I had to go through, how I accomplished and overcame the total hardships of life and what I had to go through. It would be totally unbelievable because I was even told by doctors that my parents said that your son has about two months to live. Wow. Yeah, there's no way he's going to survive because I was continuously having grand mal seizures daily and it just destroys the brain cells. Mm. And I spent a lot of my life for 15 years in hospitals, institutions. They just couldn't figure out how to stop the seizures. But when I turned my life over to God and everything started changing, it's how I did what I did. Because I couldn't drive. I couldn't hold a job. I, I was living off of just $267 a disability. Wow. And my life was a total chaos. But just because I couldn't drive, it didn't stop me because I walked 5, 10 miles just to go to church. And the things that I accomplished over that 45-year journey, it's a total miracle because I almost lost my life over six times. Jesse, have you considered maybe writing more? Well, I've considered writing more, but I'm doing such a great, I guess, feat with what I'm doing now because now what's happening is that I'm turning my book into now a movie. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> yep. So I was contracted by a production company and they're wanting to make my book into a movie. And I said, wow, if I can get that completed, then I'll be able to really help many others because there's a lot of people that don't really like to read or they don't take the time to read a book or sometimes not even listen to it. But if I can convert it to a movie, then I know that I'll gather a lot more people that will listen and understand that anything in life is possible with God.
0: Jesse, what was it like for you to hear your book, the audiobook version, as opposed to just reading it off the page? Was that a big jump? Oh,
2: absolutely, because when I read it myself, you know, of course, it's very emotional to me, but then when I hear it, it's much more, I guess, smoother story, and Mm -hmm. the story really resonates a lot better when I'm listening to it. It just really gives me a heart-filled story that I like listening to.
0: Jesse, I love that you're using your miraculous life to reach out and to help others, and I encourage everybody listening to seek this book out. Again, it's called Angels from Heaven. My Miraculous Cure from Epilepsy. It's written by Jesse Fedor, published by the Audiobook Network, so you can get it everywhere that you get your audiobooks, like on Audible and Apple iTunes and Amazon and everywhere. Jesse, thank you again for coming on here and telling me about this wonderful story. I had a nice time talking with you tonight.
2: Oh, I had a great time talking with you also, and I hope I can reach out to a lot of people and to help them in their lifestyles or whatever struggles they have. That will be my ultimate goal, to help as many people in the world as I can.
0: Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I have authors Phyllis Nicholas and Anne-Marie Wilson. Ladies, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for being here with me.
1: Yes, thank you. It's a pleasure. Yes, thank you. I agree.
0: The pleasure's all mine. You have a new book out in stores. We're going to talk all about it. It's called Welcome to Life. Teaching God's Word to the Child in the Womb. So I'm really curious about this one. Can you tell me about it?
1: Yes. It's a book where I had an idea. I felt like the year was telling me. I was watching my granddaughter. She was three years old. She was in a Christian childcare center, and it was Christmas time, and she was doing a program. And when her group got finished, they went off the stage, and then these daycare workers came on, four of them, and they had infants in their arms dressed in Christmas colors. And I was sitting in the back of the pew and I was like saying to God in my head, I said, God, why are these little infants in the program? I said, do they really know what's going on? I said, I don't know what's going on, but they were kind of swaying to Christmas music with the daycare workers. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, they know more than you think they know. And I said, well, I just don't understand it. And um, And then... I'm a public school teacher, so I'm into educating and whatever. And so what happened was I heard the Holy Spirit say, you know, it's always good news when you hear the good advice, good teaching, because your life becomes easier. And I thought, yeah, of course, you know, when children go. And since i one year old or two or three or four, you know, they go to little Bible classes when we go to church. Well, he said, you know, did you ever think about maybe children in the womb could actually be taught my word
0: hmm. and
1: be impacted by it? And I thought, that, but then I, I mean, in my head, I was thinking that. But God kept telling me, no, it's true. And he reminded me of scriptures in the Bible. Even when Elizabeth was pregnant, Mary was on her way to visit Elizabeth, and she had to pregnant with Jesus. And the scriptures even say that the Holy Spirit was uh, rather uh, John in the womb. of Elizabeth jumped when he heard Mary's face, and that the Holy Spirit was with John, even in the womb. And there's many scriptures in the Bible where God is talking about the child in the womb. So God told me in my heart that children in the womb are also children that can be taught these words. And of course, research shows that children can hear your voice even when they're in the womb. But my sister suggested having a Bible study specifically directed to the child in the womb. So her pastor agreed to let us conduct a Bible study, not to the mother, but to the child in the womb directly. So we put up flyers about it, invited all these pregnant women from her church. And I'll let you look and tell you the worst. This book is designed to teach, just to read to the child in the womb. Actually, it's for anyone who wants to read it because we're basically all in the womb of life and, you know, waiting to be for those yet to be born. But this book particularly is for the pregnant woman. And since we had our classes, we're really proud of it.
0: Once you sat down and started writing this book, how long of a process was this until it got out in stores?
1: Well. Truthfully, me and my sister both have full-time jobs, and so it took us seven or eight years. <laughs> That's what my sister says. <laughs> just because, you know, life, you stop and start, stop and start, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's, we were everywhere. We, we were just like, Starbucks, library, we would meet up, we would do all sorts of things, and I don't even know how we got this finished, but the truth of the matter is, I'm not joking, the real author of this book is God. Mm. If you'll notice, the text in the book is in the first person. It's God directly speaking to the child in the womb, telling him. And one time I was thinking, oh, this is quite for pregnant moms if they want to read this book to their child and maybe get into the habit of reading the Bible to their unborn child. But the Holy Spirit told me this. He said, you think this book is only for the pregnant mom, but let me tell you something. He said, this book is for every person who was ever in the womb. He said, when they were in the womb, these words in this book was what I was saying to them and feeling about them. And people don't realize it. This is what I was talking to you when you were in the womb.
0: I think a lot of families, a lot of expecting parents will be blessed by this book. And I encourage my listeners to seek this out. Again, the title is Welcome to Life, Teaching God's Word to the Child in the Womb. This is written by Phyllis Nicholas and Anne-Marie Wilson published by Christian Faith Publishing. So, of course, you can get it anywhere, like on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Phyllis and Anne-Marie, thank you so much for coming on here and telling me all about this really interesting book. I had a nice time talking with you tonight.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: A Dog's Tale, an allegory of what's gone wrong with missions and evangelism. That's the name of the new book. It just hit stores by Dr. Gerald Robison. And we're going to talk all about it here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Dr. Robison is here with me now. Gerald, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here.
3: Well, thank you so much. What an honor and a privilege. I'm glad I'm here with you.
0: I'm glad as well, Gerald. Can you tell me all about A Dog's Tale? What can readers expect here?
3: Well, I have found that when you're talking to Christians, quite often they buck up. If you say something critical. Hmm. But I found a way around that, and that's to tell them a story. And once they see themselves in the story, it makes sense. Their spiritual defenses are down, and they accept it and say, Oh, yeah, that's me. That makes sense. So I wonder why it is that so many evangelists and sometimes missionaries, they sound like these car salesmen trying to sell a car to somebody that does not want to buy it. Mm. They list all the benefits of if you own this car, if you buy this car, here's what you will get. And they've done the same thing often with Jesus. If you will receive Jesus, here's all the good stuff you get. Mm. I just knew there's something wrong with that mentality, with that thinking. It turns so many people off. And so I came up with a story about a runaway dog. He's out doing what dogs do, chasing cars, barking at cats, and eating out of trash cans, and he thought he had a pretty good life. Well, he did until the dog pound picked him up. And if he does not get adopted, if nobody falls in love with him, he will be put away, or put down, as they say. And he's facing imminent death. But a man comes in and falls in love with him. He falls in love with the man. And so the man says, hey, why don't you let me be your master? Why don't you come home with me? And I'll give you your food every day. We'll take a walk. We'll play ball. We'll do lots of great things. Well, the dog is in love with him. And now he gets these benefits on top. He's sold. And the man says, you know, you can't go home the way you are. You're too dirty. Let's get you cleaned up. Now, all of this is an allegory. It's like people coming to Jesus. The Bible says that we, without Jesus, are going to face imminent death. But with Jesus being intriguing to us, we come to him. If we fall in love with him and want him and desire him, he says, I'll take thee to be with me. Let me be your master. Let me be your Lord. And for those who do, he does do all those great benefits. He washes over us. He protects us quite often. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean life is without peril or discord. We certainly have our troubles. But with God there, so much more is going right. The problem is so many Christians are going to Jesus because of all the great things he will do for them. And getting back to the dog story, the man eventually tells the dog, hey, I'm glad you're here. You're glad you're here. Why don't you go tell some other dogs to come follow me and make me their master? And he's not up for that. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually he turns to it. And of course, the other dogs say, well, why should I follow your master? So he begins to list all the benefits. Hey, my master will play with you. He'll be used. Got home prepared for you. Just like we do when we're trying to sell Jesus. And... The dog noticed that for those dogs who did follow him home, who did meet the master, he's still the only one when the master walks into the room. He's the only one excited to see the master. That is because he fell in love with him. The other dogs, well, they put up with the master, but that what they love is what they will get from him. And to me, that was the picture of so many Christians. They fall in love with what God will do for them rather than falling in love with God himself. You know, so many of us would never been taught to share God on that basis. What a better way to share Jesus with others.
0: I think God is going to speak to a lot of people and work through this book. Again, it's titled A Dog's Tale, an allegory of what's gone wrong with missions and evangelism. It's written by Dr. Gerald Robison and published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can get it anywhere. So go over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or down the street at your local bookshop. You'll be able to get this book. Dr. Robison, Gerald, thank you again for joining me and telling me about your work. Had a nice time talking. Thank you
3: so much and so much appreciation to those who are listening. God bless.
0: Prince BJ and Princess Patch save their friends from the wildfire. It's the name of the new book in stores now, written by Dee Lindsay. And we're gonna talk all about it. Dee is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Dee, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate your time. Dee, can you tell me all about Prince BJ and Princess Patch Save their friends from the wildfire?
1: Yeah, so it's a wonderful story. Some um, he's taking these copies of a royalty. They see the forest in their blaze, and uh, they went to help and save their friends, and realizing that Prince DJ's love is in trouble.
0: D what kinds of readers do you think would really like this one?
1: Well, I do uh, attract children, you know, between 5 and 10, and actually there's been some 11-year-olds that's read them as well.
0: Hmm. where did the idea for this story come from?
1: I had two Pekingese puppies at seven weeks old, and since my grandchildren had moved away, I got two puppies, and now they're a year and a half, and I, in raising them and all these adventures and, and reading to my granddaughter, I just love the idea of writing children's books, and, and the adventure of puppies led me off. It kicked me off to start writing.
0: So this is your first book then. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. However, I did put out a Halloween book prior to this one.
0: Oh, wonderful. So how long did it take you to write and publish this one?
1: It didn't take long when it seems like I wrote quite a few and I get this idea and I just sit down and put it on paper and I'll reread it a couple of times and like, if it's a really good story, I just go ahead and try to get it to the publisher.
0: And when that first copy comes in, you get to hold this thing finally for the first time and look at it. Your name's on the cover and everything. Dee, what kind of th- moment is that like?
1: It's an amazing moment. Mm. It just feels really good.
0: So looking back over the whole process and thinking about things, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of now being a published author?
1: Wow. The thought of the children having the opportunity to read them, it just warms my soul.
0: And looking down the road, do you think you'll be writing more and publishing more books?
1: Oh, absolutely. I actually have three at the publishers right now that should be out by the end of the year.
0: Oh, wow. So do you ever hit writer's block or get times when the writing's just tough? Because it sounds like you're quite prolific.
1: No, actually, I'm doing really good right now. I haven't got a writer's block yet.
0: <laughs> oh, lucky you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and an important part of books like this, of course, is the illustrations. And so how hard of a process was that for you to get the words lined up with the illustrations to get things looking just right?
1: Well, you know, I picture the picture that I want, and I take the paragraph that matched the picture, and I just put it on the pages.
0: So what advice would you have to the aspiring authors listening to us right now, Dee?
1: Well, I feel that if you have a passion for stories or, you know, future stories, just write what you feel. It's a great feeling and just put it down on paper.
0: Now, the publishing end of things, there's so much involved in that. Dee, what was the most challenging part of that for you?
1: Trying to draw the picture, honestly, was not something I found that I could do. (laughs) 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 Illustrations are not my thing, but I do have the pictures in my head just trying to get somebody to draw what I'm thinking and what I want. It's pretty challenging.
0: Dee, who inspires you or keeps you encouraged in your life?
1: Besides the puppies, my grandchildren. Mm.
0: So when you sit down to write, Dee, do you have a certain time that you like to do it? Like some of us are early morning writers and some of us are late night writers. And some of us, we just write whenever we have the time and the ideas. What kind of writer are you?
1: That's interesting that you should ask. It doesn't matter when I have an idea. I don't care what time it is. 24 hours a day, round the clock. Whenever that idea strikes, I get up and I start by eating.
0: And when you begin a book like Prince BJ and Princess Patch, uh, do you have an outline? Do you know how things are going to go from beginning to end? Or did you just start with the beginning of the story, start writing and go from there?
1: Well, that's funny you should ask that as well. I've had one book where I actually knew the whole story before I even wrote it. But there are times when, like, I have this idea. Now I just need, I have it, you know, it's for the middle of the book. Let's just make the beginning and then just let's make the end. So it just depends.
0: Well, I bet a lot of readers are really going to like this book. Again, it's titled Prince BJ and Princess Patch Save Their Friends from the Wildfire. It's written by Dee Lindsay, published by Covenant Books. So you can get it everywhere. Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick and mortar stores. Dee, thank you again for talking with me here tonight, telling me about your books and about your work. I had a really nice time.
1: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Joining me right here, right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, is author Raymond D. Crop. Raymond, thank you for joining me.
4: Well, thank you for having me, Corey. I appreciate it.
0: The pleasure's all mine, Ray. You wrote a new book, and I wanted to congratulate you for getting it out there in stores. The title is The Crystal Gold Mine in the Silver Valley of Idaho, the Big Blind Special. Ray, can you tell me about this?
4: Yeah, it's uh, actually quite a unique piece of history. I grew up in Kellogg, I don't know where the mine's located. My whole family has a life history there. Been mining there since the 1930s. So I kind of grew up around mining. Worked in the mines myself for a short period of time. Went in the Navy. get a career in the Navy for 25 years. Came back home and my wife and I ended up buying the property with the mine and uh, opened it up again. It, it was opened up as a mine tour. The mine was hidden in the Silver Valley for over a century. So the book kind of captures how that was possible. The uniqueness about it is it's right in the middle of the Silver Valley of Idaho, which is one of the richest silver deposits in the world. I believe in the 1970s, to produced over half of the nation's half of the silver deposits and oh, wow. stuff. And the, one of the top 10 producers in the world. And here you got an old gold mine right in the middle of it, hidden. And it didn't really get fully discovered until the 1990s. So my book kind of captures all that. And then you got some folks that kind of got involved and had a different version, told their history and wrote about it and stuff. So my book actually came out, tried to collect and set all that straight. That's kind of the scope of it. Pretty interesting story, actually.
0: Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Ray, what inspired you to write this story and publish it?
4: When I came home, I had no idea that my wife and I were going to end up buying a gold mine. So the story kind of kept, the book captures how we got involved, how the original owners that we bought it from got involved. And then not too long into it, about a year and a half into it, I, we were still pretty young and that was in 2012. We bought it and in 2013. We got confronted by some historians and uh, some folks in the area that are also from, there's little towns all around the mining district in the Koday mining district. So there's always been a little bit of challenge each other for stuff, but anyways, they wrote about us and did some false history. So I was working every day when I was doing mine tours. And I really didn't have the time or energy to correct any of that when they got ambushed and they wrote their story. So what I did is, when we finally retired again, I sat down and captured it all in this book so we can set the record straight for the schools and the historic society and uh, kind of get everybody back on track.
0: Sounds like it might have taken you a really long time to put this all together, Ray. What kind of a time span did this process take?
4: We bought it in 2012, and in 2013, we got ambushed, so to speak, by these people that were historians, so that was kind of intimidating. Mm -hmm. We were still early on doing research, you know, I wanted to make sure we were sharing everything correct and everything, and we were being accused of not sharing the copper story, and they actually were the ones, being the ones that were in the wrong. Mm. So that inspired me to write the book over time, and I just never had time to do it all the years that we owned the mine, because I worked long hours every day, and it was just never enough energy to really sit down and do something with it. But finally had the time to do it, and I kind of played poker with the people in the book. Uh, as you see, there's correspondence that we did back and forth through certified letters.
0: And that's kind of what the book centered around is collecting them in the process. Must have been quite a day for you, Ray, when that first copy finally came in. And after all that time and all that hard work, you got to hold that finished product. What was that like?
4: Well, as you can understand, it was probably a pretty good emotional roller coaster I was on because nobody likes to be accused of being, you know, falsifying information, especially when it comes to history. Yeah. I'm very passionate about the story. We had schools and we kept growing with schools, homeschools, tourist agencies where we shared our story. So it was important for me to set the record straight and get the historian, you know, no evidence back on track again and stuff. So, yeah, so, I mean, it was an emotional roller coaster. So when I held it in my hand, I'm like, finally got this story off my chest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you ever written before this, Ray, or was this your first book?
4: Uh, no, I wrote quite a bit in high school. I never really thought I would ever write a book, but when you own a piece of history like we got involved with,
0: it just inspired me to go through it, to make sure we capture the special piece of history that it really is. I think there are going to be a lot of people out there really interested in this story, and I encourage those listening right now to seek this book out. Again, the title is The Crystal Gold Mine in the Silver Valley of Idaho, The Big Blind Special. It's written by Raymond D. Kropp, it was published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can get it everywhere. Go on over to Amazon or go to Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and you'll be able to find the book. Ray, thank you again for joining me and tell me all about this really interesting story and your book. I had a nice time.
4: Thank you very much, Corey. You have a great evening.
0: I'm looking at a book that encourages readers to pursue their dreams. It's titled Inspiring Book of Poems, Dreams, and Stories. It's written by Lisa McCarthy, and we get to talk all about this book. Lisa is joining me right now. Lisa, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for being here.
1: Yes, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Corey.
0: The pleasure is all mine. I really appreciate you being here and wanted to say congratulations on getting this book out, Lisa. Could you tell me all about it? What can readers expect here?
1: Well, first off, my book is about how I have struggled and overcome them. So my first poem describes my experiences of walking through a storm while keeping my faith in God. So as you're progressing through my book, I take you on a journey to the other side while I emerge victorious. I aim to inspire others to live an amazing life and encourage those going through difficult times. My book reflects my journey towards self-discovery and how seeking guidance and having faith in God has transformed my life.
0: Lisa, when you think about the target readers here, who do you think would be into this book the most?
1: Well, I'm thinking about people that are trying to improve themselves or growing personally Mm -hmm. and achieving their goals would find my book very helpful because it provides practical guidance that can empower readers to live their life to the fullest where they want to enhance their faith relationships, or daily habits.
0: Wow, what a really great message, Lisa. You got to tell me, what inspired you to write this and publish it?
1: Well, my inspiration came from my vivid dreams. It also came from walking in nature, the experiences that I have been through. And also, there's been times when I've been asleep and God has woken me up and told me, write this down.
0: When it comes to writing books and being published and all of that, Lisa, have you ever done this before or is this your first time at it?
1: Oh, this is my first time.
0: Wow. Did this take you a long time to write and and put through that publishing process then?
1: (laughs) Well, the writing part took the most time because originally I started writing poetry in seventh grade. And once my book got full, I was thinking, okay, to publish it. But then it came time for me to leave that old environment behind. So I left that old journal behind. But shortly after I got my freedom, and this is like the summer of 2010, I picked up another journal and began writing again. So it took me like 13 years to put that through because I would get into writer's blog and procrastination. But I listened to others that kept on encouraging me, telling me that I could do it such as pastors, friends, and my say. So I decided, okay, I'm going to call a trusted pastor, and he told me about covenant books, so I considered it.
0: Lisa, you mentioned writer's block. Whenever you got that, did you have a way that you could kind of get yourself through it and get those words going again?
1: Yes, such as hiking. It's amazing what a good hike can do, how it clears your mind. Also, if words still didn't come to me, I would read books from other people.
0: So this book was a long time in the making, Lisa. What was that moment like then for you whenever you finally got that first physical copy, you got to hold this in your hands and look at this thing that has your name on the cover? What was that like?
1: Oh, wow. Well, it felt like I was dreaming. I was so excited when the package came in the mail. I opened it up and I couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, wow, it finally (laughs) happened. It's like a dream come true.
0: Are you thinking you might do this again? Do you think you might write more and publish more?
1: Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, shortly after I had my first book published, I started writing more. Hmm. And right now I have written 77 pages for my second book. Wonderful. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of readers are going to be inspired by this book. I encourage everybody out there to seek it out. Again, it's titled Inspiring Book of Poems, Dreams, and Stories. It's written by Lisa McCarthy and is published by Covenant Books. You can get it everywhere on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and on iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Lisa, thank you again for coming on the show telling me all about your poetry and what you got going on. I had a nice time talking with you. Thank you. looking at a really interesting book here, and we're going to talk all about it here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. The title is Justin, A Poetic Life. It's written by Justin Edwards, and I get to find out about this. Justin is right here on the show with me now. Justin, welcome. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Justin, can you tell me all about this book, Justin, A Poetic Life? Well, this is
5: a book on my life in poetry, a book that I've been writing since probably right after high school, after my father had passed away. I started writing this poetry, and throughout the turbulations of my life, being locked up, being involved in organized crime and gangs, and um, getting out of that life and turning my life around, and then trying to write about it and give inspiration to others.
0: Justin, where'd you get this idea? What sparked you to write your life story, but in poetry?
5: actually it's kind of crazy it all comes naturally this is a gift that i've always had to be able to write poetry i had won an award as a child for my writing oh wow it kind of inspired me after that to continue to keep writing i had a great teacher at one point in my life of course everyone does right and that one teacher was just always amazed by my writing always pushed me well when this was all happening And I had such chaos in my life. This was my means of expressing myself. This was my soul, you know, was to put down on this piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And as I would go through this, it would just come out naturally. It was like something inside of me that was just being laid out on paper.
0: How long did this take you to write once you started on it?
5: Honestly, some, a couple days, some a couple minutes. There are multiple different poems all in different times of my life. Some while I was in prison, some while I was in jail, some while I was out, some while I started my success and turning my life around. Hmm. It really is a story of a battle for your soul and for good versus evil.
0: What was it like when you finally got it in and you got to hold it, this physical thing and and see it with your name on the cover and everything? Well, it's definitely a, a dream come true. And I'm sure he learned a lot along the way of doing this for the first time, Justin. Uh, do you have any advice now that you could throw out there to the aspiring authors? Don't ever give up.
5: You can make it happen. Even if you're halfway done, you think you can't do it, or no publishers, want you, do it yourself. Yeah, make it happen. You know, and guess what? When you get it out there, somebody will love it. It will inspire somebody. And if it does that, then it's worth it.
0: Justin, thinking about the publishing end of things, was that a smooth one for you or did you hit some hurdles?
5: Actually, the book was a very good book, I have to say, (laughs) because (laughs) the fact that every publisher that I did send it out to came back to me with latent reviews. Oh, wow. They were review books. Their review board loved it. They didn't want to change anything. They all wanted it back. They had competing contracts. So that was a beautiful thing. And I really chose the publishers that I wanted to go to um, after the other authors that I knew. And they had talked to me about the publishers they had used and some other ones that they didn't like. And so I went to one, and then I kind of read around, did my own work, and picked the one that I chose.
0: Mm, Very wise. Thank you. So much time, so much hard work goes into this. When you look back over it all, Justin, what's the most rewarding aspect for you now of being a published author?
5: Knowing that it can touch others, that really it can make a difference in people's lives. Knowing that hopefully that will inspire others to get out of maybe the trouble that they're in or that they can really make a difference with themselves and they, can make, and they can come out of whatever situation that they may be in. Or if other people are in bad situations or in troubling times, that they can lend it to them and show them that they can do better at their house.
0: Well, I love the creative take on writing your life story, and I think a lot of readers are going to love it as well. Again, it's Just in a Poetic Life, written by Justin Edwards. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, and it's available everywhere. So get on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and you'll be able to find it there and even at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Justin, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about this book. I really like what you did here. Thanks again. Oh, it was
5: an honor, and thank you so much for having me.
0: The title of the book that we're going to talk about here next at the Reader House Author Roundtable already has me intrigued. It's titled, My Life at the Cemetery, It's Not as Dead as You Think, My Spiritual Journey Through Life and Death. This is written by Sandy Doyle, and we're going to talk all about it. Sandy is joining me here now. Sandy, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate it so much.
0: I, I appreciate your time, Sandy. Can you tell me all about this book?
1: A series of events. I worked 12 years at a cemetery and then two years at a funeral home. And so it's just a collection of events and stories that happened while I was there. Mm. Some of them are funny. Some of them are very sad. Some of them are very grief filled. And some of them I'll just have your head shake your head in amazement as <laughs> to people. Mm. <laughs> That's just all I can say, just people.
5: <laughs>
0: When you think about the kinds of readers who would really like my life at the cemetery, Sandy, what kinds of readers are those?
1: Corey went, I wrote the book, and basically I was just diagnosed with lung cancer. And I was going through notes and gathering everything up, and COVID hit, and my kids were adamant that I could not go anywhere. And so I thought, you know, we have lost so much. So many people have gone. Hmm that should not have ever gone at that time, as far as I was concerned. And so I sat down and I started going through the notes that I had with different people. And I thought, you know, this might be if I can make it to where it is enjoyable and that I can make people realize that we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience then that's what I'm here for. That's what I was put here to do.
0: What inspired you to write this, Sandy? What was that spark that made you say, hey, I got to write my story. I got to publish this.
1: Well, the situation was when I worked at the cemetery, you know, the first two or three stories, every time I would get done with a family, I would just shake my head in amazement and say, one of these days, I'm going to write a book. (laughs) One of these days, I'm going to write a book. And so. I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is this your first book, Sandy, or have you written before?
1: I have 19 grandchildren. Oh, wow. And so I have wrote uh, children's books for them, but I have not had them published. So as actual book, no, this is my first one, and I hope to do another one here shortly.
0: Wonderful. Once you sat down, started writing My Life at the Cemetery, how long of a process was it for you until it got out there in stores?
1: It was a year process for me. I hired a editor to help me and encourage me along the way.
0: Very wise.
1: Because, you know, Corey, I'm 77. So it's been a long time since I was in school. So I figured I needed all the help I could get. (laughs) (laughs) So it it was a year process with that. And then I had probably, it was about eight months, I think, with Heaven at House. So it was almost two years.
0: Mm. What did you find the most challenging part about all of that, Sandy?
1: I think the most challenging part for me was not sure about all of the process. Does that make sense, you know? I mean yeah. to have an agent, to not have an agent. They had done a cover and and I didn't like it, you know, and I mm. said no. <laughs> Which, you know, backed everything up a couple of months because I wanted something bright and something that looked like that looks spiritual, something that looks right, because Corey were born to die. Mm. And my thing, how I feel about it, celebrate each moment that you have. And when you're out of here, you're going to a better place. Mm. That's just all I can. <laughs> That's just what me and how I feel about it.
0: I do think readers will be comforted and will be smiling when they read this book. Again, the title is My Life at the Cemetery. It's Not as Dead as You Think. My Spiritual Journey Through Life and Death. This is written by Sandy Doyle, published by Covenant Books, so you can get it everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Sandy, thanks so much for coming on and telling me all about this book. I had a nice time chatting tonight.
1: Well, I so enjoyed you, and I thank you, Corey, for all you do. And I hope that people read the book and that they get something out of it.
0: I'm looking at a new book right now written by Mary Margaret Brown. It's titled, God Writes My Story. I get to find out all about this book. Mary is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. Mary, can you tell me what you've written about in God Writes My Story? Well, I wrote about my
1: experiences with mating First, the Holy Spirit. I didn't know he was the Holy Spirit when I was eight years old. Then two or three weeks later, I met Jesus at a country farm pond. Other than that, I didn't always follow the Lord. I was never really, I don't know what you'd call a great sinner. But later on, when I was on my Damascus Road, I met the Ancient of Days. According to Isaiah 6, he came into my bookstore as a woman prayed for me, and I asked the same thing that Isaiah did. I said, put a cold to my lips because I'm a sinner. Then he blessed me, and the woman that was praying for me, she couldn't take her hands off my head. She said it was like a rock came down on it. She couldn't move. But she turned around and her daughter was with her because she had stopped by. My bookstore hadn't opened. I was going to open it on Monday. This was Saturday night. And she turned around and hit her daughter on her forehead. And I saw her daughter's eyes clear up. You know, the eyes of the mirror of the soul. And I saw her eyes clear up. And her daughter went to church the following day and gave her heart to Jesus. So she said to me, she shook her hand. She said, I've never experienced anything like that. What happened? And I thought she was going to say I had a demon, and I knew better than that. So I told her about what I had experienced. I saw the Ancient of Days come into that bookstore. It was in the basement of a garage that my mother and I owned. He came into the bookstore. He had snow, white hair, and beard he didn't say anything, and I didn't either. I was standing, and I thought I would fall, but I couldn't. It would break the vision, so he came in and blessed me. That's my main experiences. I have also seen my guardian angels and some other angels that I write about in my book.
0: Did this take you a long time to write and get published, Mary?
1: Well, the first one was God told me to write all of these books. I've written three. He told me to write each one of them. This was back in 2001. I put that together. I had several people helping me. None of us knew the computer or how to work or anything. And it went into 40 different countries and 60 different ministries. I was on a chat room, and people would come on, and we'd talk, and I'd send them the book. And I also ordained a man out of Pakistan to the United States, and he was in New York, and he asked me to come up and meet him. But anyway, that was the first book, which was On the Glory Road with God and His Angels. Then I republished it in 2008, and both of those are on Amazon.com. In the meantime, I wrote a book on—God told me to write a book on women— And I researched that for about two years, and then I published it. It's called The Rise, Daughter of Abraham. And then this one is my latest book, which the Holy Spirit helped me with this and pointed out things as you go along. You know, your first writing, you make a lot of mistakes,
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you
1: get a little bit better. Not that I'm the best, but I just do what the Lord tells me to do.
0: I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book. Again, the title is God Writes My Story. It's written by Mary Margaret Brown, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it anywhere like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or even traditional brick and mortar stores. Mary, thank you again for coming on the show tonight and telling me all about God Writes My Story and your other books. I had a nice time talking tonight. Thank you.